Well, of course, time in the show where we join our friends over at Black Locks Reporter because they do not stop digging this week. They will go to the very end of Christmas Eve, um, digging up whatever dirt they can find, and we will bring it to you. And, of course, the guy we have had on doing that is Tom Korski, managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter. Been a busy year there, Tom. It has. It has been a really an insanely busy year. And, uh, and and there's no sign it'll stop. 2022 is just going to be a barn burner. It's just absolutely tremendous year. Yeah, isn't it? And that means it's going to be a lot of... Uh revealing stuff coming in. Before I dive into some of the stuff that you um, are reporting on, I wanted to ask you your thoughts because the Conservatives apparently, according to uh, the Globe and Mail, will not be bringing back the parliamentary committee that probed Canada-China relations for more than 18 months. I I do not see the upside of abandoning a committee that was so, so important. Um, But I'm just beginning to wonder, like, what the hell do the Conservatives stand for? Like, they always seem to sit down when they they should stand. Well, the leadership had said... uh, I recall this because we asked that they would bring all the old motions back requiring uh, disclosure of documents and the resumption of hearings by this special committee on uh, Canada-China relations. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, the problem is there's a stand. Commons has a foreign affairs committee, which is universally accepted as useless. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> And these committees, that's why they have a special committee on Afghanistan to find out what happened, what went so horribly, horribly wrong uh, Mm. in Kabul with the fall of that country. And it was the China committee that really started to get to the bottom of the infiltration of our premier federal lab in Winnipeg by researchers associated with the Chinese People's Liberation Army. Well, why, why wouldn't that be timely information? Wouldn't wouldn't right. we all like to know? And if indeed that's the case, I mean, the House is now out until last week of January. Everyone's on parliamentary Christmas recess. Know, it's cra- but, it's but, crazy. <laughs> but that is not a good place to save time and money. It's not expensive. And they were making serious headway. Oh, yeah. They were making the Trudeau government sweat. I mean, the reason, you know, we were going to get access to those uh, Winnipeg lab, you know, reports is because of this committee. Um, You know, they absolutely should probe what went wrong with Afghanistan because clearly a lot did. But, you know, to to take a step back from challenging this government on China is not only bad for this country, but it's um, that's exactly what the Trudeau government would like. I, I, I think, Alex, there's also sort of an overarching theme. You know, Ottawa is, uh, don't be fooled by the the mantra of peace, order, and good government. Very, very often, the federal government is not that good at a lot of things. So uh, do we not talk about that anymore? Why is that not really pertinent information? If they are incompetent, if they don't know how to run a lab, if they can't ensure that mm-hmm. all Canadians got out of Kabul, why are we keeping that a secret? Why would that not want? Why wouldn't you want to shout that from the rooftops? How are we ever going to get better in this town if they don't talk about what they don't do well, which is a lot? Yeah, because there are actually big consequences for this, especially as we send athletes over uh, to play in the Olympic Games, which is also, I think, a bit risky if you ask me. But I do want to talk about this because it didn't really get a ton of attention. But this all comes down to, you know, MPs wanting to start their Christmas break, which, of course, they started one day early because apparently working more than three weeks in the year is or, you know, up until in the last session is a bit much uh, for them. So they've taken a break, but they they pushed through this pandemic relief bill. 
And uh, you guys learn that it's going to cost billions more than Christian Freeland managed to disclose last night. So are you telling us that MPs voted on an incomplete bill? Um, because I know that the opposition were asking questions like, how much is this pandemic aid going to how much is it going to cost us? Uh, and Christian Freeland wasn't giving those answers. And then, like, after the fact, they come back and say, oh, it's actually going to be not seven point four billion, but more like twelve billion. Missed it by 60%. Missed it by that much. (laughs) And and MPs had asked. MPs had asked over and over and over, and they voted for the bill. And the Minister of Finance literally waited about an hour after the bill had passed the House of Commons, after MPs were headed to the airport for their Christmas recess, as the bill was awaiting a rubber stamp vote in the Senate to disclose, oh, do you, rem- do you remember that bill, doggone it, that mm. I said would cost 7.4? <laughs> it's, it's closer to 12. And that's where we are on finances and Closer to 94 billion. Just missed it by that much. It, and, and really, no one in on earth budgets this way. It is so dangerous. It is so... Uh, forgive me, it is so arrogant and disrespectful of the taxpayer. It is so stupefying. Mm -hmm. Who would buy a bill when you are missing the the bottom line cost by 60%? And that's the Department of Finance. And MPs fall for that every time. It's like playing three-card Monty, and Parliament falls for it every time. Well, shame on them. Their job is to make sure that the dollars and cents are accounted for and the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Um, And they should have known, given um, all the boondoggles of the last pandemic spending, you know, there's still there's still what, six hundred billion dollars that has not yet been accounted for in the finance department. I mean, that's that last I checked, that's a big number. And I was listening to Yves Giroux uh, speaking with my colleague Roy Green over the weekend, where there's this real kind of apathy or the shrug of the shoulders by Canadians who are like, oh, well, What's a few hundred billion dollars? And it's like, you know, you used to get fired for a $16 orange juice in Ottawa. And now it's just like, oh, a few billion. Oh, well, we'll get it next time. You try. Yeah, no, they're they're not doing their job. MPs and senators are not doing their job. I have to say in the Senate leadership, God bless them. Some expressions of self-loathing about isn't it sad that we are now merely a rubber stamp, they said, as they stamped it with rubber and gave cabinet exactly what it wanted. The most collegial legislative body in the English-speaking world, the Senate of Canada, has not yet refused to pass a cabinet bill in 25 years. How is that for go along and get along 25 years of doing exactly what you're told? Yeah, well, those independent senators sure are independent. They're uh, doing their job. Let me jump into this one um, because I know we'll talk about we'll talk about the dollars and cents probably for three or four more years at least on this thing. Um, but there's a new federal law, of course, threatening 10 years imprisonment for vaccine protesters, which was passed through a couple of weeks ago. And I know on the surface, Tom, this will sound great, where you know you can't go up and bother a patient trying to get help or a nurse or doctor on the front lines. But the law itself. Um, we already have laws on the books and the laws itself, according to one British Columbia senator, is, you know, a threat to our, our charter rights. And he's not exactly advocating for those who uh, he believes should be punished for doing this kind of thing. But he also says, you know, COVID should not be used to lessen the rights of people. And he'd be correct. That's Larry Campbell from Vancouver. Interesting. Uh, this uh, bill was promised by the prime minister during uh, the height of anti 
vaccine mandate protests outside clinics and hospitals. And you recall during the campaign last August, and everyone started to get pretty excited, and someone threw gravel at the prime minister's bus, and everyone pretty got, got pretty <laughs> jacked up. It was it was a it was an exciting time. Well, the problem is, as uh, Senator Vernon White, former Ottawa police chief, pointed out, he said, you know, we average. <laughs> this is true. Uh, Vern White said we average about 350 protests a year in Ottawa. It's the protest capital of Canada. Never outside a hospital. When I was chief of police, I used to tell them, if you want, to, if you want monkey business, we can get into unlawful assembly, uh, threats, uh, mischief. He said I never had a problem. They, they would always listen to our constables right down there on the line because there's adequate laws against this. What is the problem? Senator Campbell points out when you limit the uh, ability of anyone to protest, which is really what is democracy but dissent. It's tolerance of dissent, opposing opinion, passionate, vigorous argument. Campbell has no time for people who oppose vaccine mandates. That's his privilege. But he can is capable of articulating a very adult and, and poignant thought. And it's exactly that. When you limit the ability to protest, when you limit effectively dissent, yeah. you lose a little bit, don't you? You lose a little bit more, especially mm -hmm. when it's unnecessary. It's, it, there's really no problem. It, it, there's all adequate laws to deal with this. But, but you know, this witch hunt is just not stopping, Alex. The, the, the extraordinary spending, the limits to public assembly, it's just not stopping. We have documented instances where people have been fired. They've actually yeah. lost their jobs because they wouldn't disclose their, their health status. It's, it's not winding down, which is unusual for a witch hunt. This is one of the longer running witch hunts. Well, you know, it might come to a head with the truck drivers on in the new year who are saying uh, there's a lot of us not vaccinated and we're the ones who bring your toilet paper to the stores. So there are going to be some real implications of these mandates um, and, and, and some of the laws that are being pushed through in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I guess we'll complain then. Um, nonetheless, I got to let you go there, Tom. Very much appreciate you bringing these headlines to us. My pleasure. Thanks, Alec. That is Mr. Tom Korski, Managing Editor over at Black Locks Reporter. And if you're still looking for a stocking stuffer, that one is the one that pays off. And uh, Santa will be happy to deliver it for you. Or, of course, you can check in with us on men Mondays and Wednesdays when we check in with Tom. Stay here with us. Alex Pearson on Point. This is Global News Radio.